Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. And we want to look in his word as we go to Jeremiah 31. I'll read verses 31 through 37 here in just a little bit. And today I want to do something a little bit different. I want to talk about a theological topic that might sound completely boring, and frankly, more of you might go to sleep than normal than with me talking about this. But I think that by talking about this topic, it'll help you get a better grasp about Scripture in the long run and uh, help you with your own Bible study. And the subject is about covenant that I want to talk about today. Now, that, that word covenant doesn't sound very biblical. It might sound a little, little bit more legal than anything because, you know, if you're part of a homeowner's association, you hear about, like, homeowner's association covenants and and things like that and there is a legal aspect to it but as we're going to see today also there is a relational aspect to it as well so what in the world is a covenant when i use that word well a covenant is a binding agreement between two people that outlines the obligations and demands and commitments within the bonds of a relationship and so god he makes a covenant of relationship with people And it's easy maybe to overlook that relational aspect. Now, we have to be careful because sometimes people might try and equate covenant with with the concept of a contract. But covenant and contract are different. Bruce Shelley, in his book entitled Christian Theology in Plain Language, he he writes this to kind of help us see the difference. He says, in modern times, we define a host of relations by contracts. These are usually for goods or services or hard cash. The contract, formal or informal, helps to specify the, the failure in these relationships. The Lord did not establish a contract with Israel or with the church. He created a, co- a covenant, and there is a difference. Contracts are broken when one of the parties fails to keep his promise. If, let us say, a patient fails to keep an appointment with a doctor, the doctor is not obligated to call the house and inquire, where are you, why didn't you show up for your appointment? He simply goes on to his next patient, and his appointment secretary takes note of the patient who failed to keep the appointment, and the patient may find it harder next time to see the doctor because he broke an informal contract. According to the Bible, however, the Lord asks in Isaiah 49, 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget I will never forget. God never forgets the relationships that he creates through covenant. He goes on to say, the Bible indicates the covenant is more like the ties of a parent to her child than it is the doctor's appointment. If a child fails to show up for dinner, the parent's obligation, unlike the doctor's, isn't canceled. The parent finds out where the child is and makes sure that he's cared for. One member's failure does not destroy the relationship. A covenant puts no conditions on faithfulness. It is the unconditional commitment to love and serve. And so contracts are very legal. Covenants are relational. And it's important to understand this because this is how God has related with humanity from the beginning. He has related with humanity through covenants. It was covenants that defined the relationship between God and and mankind and God used these covenants to move his plan of redemption along through history. And so if you are able to grasp the idea of a covenant, you're going to be able to see 
how God progressed things throughout history to get us to the point where we are right now. And so covenant is important to understand the flow of redemption history. It gives us a framework by which to follow, to understand how we got from Genesis to Exodus and then on through the rest of the Bible. Now theologians have come up with various terms for different frameworks. They understand the concept of, of covenant differently, and so they've come up with these different terms to understand the frameworks of these covenants. You may have heard the term dispensationalism, or you may have heard the term covenantalism. Well, I personally do not kind of use those frameworks. I don't ascribe to those frameworks. One that is closest to the framework that I ascribe to, it's called progressive covenantalism. Now, Doc, what, is, what in the world is that? So y'all are getting this, this deep theological stuff today. Well, Dr. Stephen Wellam from Southern Seminary, he describes this view in three summary points. Number one, God's one plan, one plan of redemption, is revealed through a plurality of covenants that culminates in Jesus Christ. Secondly, the covenants are more than a unifying theme of Scripture, but they are the backbone of the Bible's redemptive story, starting in creation and reaching its fulfillment in Christ. And then third, God has one people. Although there is an Israel church distinction due to their respective covenants, we must think of Israel church relationship Christologically. What that means is that in Christ Jesus, the church is God's new creation comprised of believing Jews and Gentiles. Because Jesus is the last Adam, Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is the faithful seed of Abraham who inherits the promises of his work. And so that's a whole lot to take in already. But what it is saying is that throughout history, God has made these covenants with different people that would eventually lead to the new covenant that we are in with Jesus Christ. The, the new covenant... In Jesus Christ is the final covenant that God has made with humanity. And it is the fulfillment of all the covenants that came before it. Because all those other covenants were pointing toward Christ. And so yes, there was a covenant with Adam and creation. And then there was a covenant renewal with Noah. And then there was a covenant that was made with Israel. Well, with Abraham first, and then Israel. And then there was a special one made with David. But all of these covenants find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Those other covenants were types, they were shadows, they were pointing forward to what Jesus Christ embodied and fulfilled. And so now, under the new covenant, if you want a relationship with God, you have to have a relationship with God through this new covenant that is given through Jesus Christ. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Now, one of the best summaries of this new covenant that we find in Scripture, ironically, is found in the Old Testament because God prophesied what he would do through this new covenant. He prophesied about what he would create, what he would fulfill, so that 
through this new covenant, anyone in the world could become one of his people by faith. And so God created this new and final covenant through Jesus Christ, and it has a worldwide and eternal significance. And so my prayer today in talking about this deep theological subject is that if you are not part of this covenant, that you would join God in covenant through Jesus Christ. And if you are in relationship with God through this new covenant, that you would celebrate it and that you would share it and that you would join us today as we celebrate this new covenant through the Lord's Supper. But I want to read what God prophesied in Jeremiah for us to understand what he accomplished through this new covenant. And so I'm going to read verses 31 through 37. If you'll stand in reference to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. This is what God said through the prophet. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we're so thankful that you don't just toss humanity to the side, but you reach out to them through covenant and have built relationship so that we can be with you for eternity. And we praise you for that, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I want to quickly talk about some characteristics of this new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ so we understand what God has done, what he has provided for us, you know, why we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and to give you a, a, a framework, a concept of reading Scripture starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation, what God has done through covenant. So what do we have in this new covenant? Well, first I want you to notice that this new covenant is imperishable. It is imperishable. And, and so as part of God's covenant with Israel through the Mosaic covenant, so, you know, when, when God met with Israel at Mount Sinai, he set up the Mosaic covenant and he gave the law. And the Mosaic covenant was you follow the law so that you remain in the land and be prosperous. But guess what? They didn't follow the law. And so God used Jeremiah and some of the other prophets to declare this against them, to declare judgment against them, to call them to repentance, to tell them, you broke God's law. And because you broke God's law, you broke the covenant. And if you do not repent, you will be driven from the land 
Well, as stubborn human beings, they didn't repent. And they were driven from the land. The northern kingdom was driven out by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom was driven out by the Babylonians. They were driven out because they broke the covenant. God even says in the passage that we read, you know, this covenant that you broke, even though I was a husband to you, you broke it. You broke the covenant. But now God says that this new covenant he's going to inaugurate is going to be different. Because whereas that old covenant could be broken by humanity and was broken by humanity, the new covenant can never be broken. The new covenant is set. Now we know that the new cov that covenants in general, there's two parties and the covenant defines the relationship. In the old covenant, it defined the relationship between God and the nation of Israel. You follow my law, you'll be prosperous in the land. They broke the law. They were kicked out of the land. But in the new covenant, it's a definition of relationship between God and those who believe in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, neither side can break this covenant. And we might ask ourselves, how in the world can that be? Because even after you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you still break God's laws. You still break God's commandments. The reason that this is possible to remain in covenant with God is because God made this covenant one-sided. Everything falls on him. And the end of verse 34 kind of gives us a key here. God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And so if you are in covenant with God in this new covenant through Jesus Christ, you can't break the covenant because if you do break God's laws and commandments, he offers forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And we know, see, that's the thing. The basis of forgiveness is not on us. The basis of forgiveness is in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. When you repent and believe in Jesus Christ, you are brought into covenant relationship with God, and you cannot break it. But here's the thing, God will not break it either. We know from Scripture that God is perfect. We know that God never lies. We know that God keeps his promises. And so God will not break his side of the covenant. And that's why we can say we are eternally secure in Christ. Because if you are saved and you are born again in Jesus Christ, you're in covenant with God. You cannot lose your salvation because God will not break his covenant. He says in our passage that the covenant is imperishable, meaning it will not perish. It will never be broken. We cannot break it because God loves us through Christ. As we sang today, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You can't break the covenant once you are in covenant with God. 
But not only is this covenant imperishable, secondly, this covenant is internal. And this makes it different from the old covenant as well. You know, because Israel broke the law, and by breaking the law, broke the covenant. But this law was external to the people. The words of the law were external to the people. The words did not give them the ability to actually follow and fulfill what God had commanded. Now, the law is perfect. The law perfectly represents God and his character and who he is, his moral, his, his, his ethics. They show us the standards of God, and God's standards do not change. But the problem is the law within the Mosaic Covenant, it tells you what you should or should not do. It just doesn't give you the power to follow and do or not do what it says. And that's why, you know, if you read the Pauline epistles, you read Paul's epistles, he says the law cannot save you. Because you in your own power cannot follow the law. You have broken the law. You're already guilty before God. And that was the old covenant. But in the new covenant, the new covenant is different. In verse 33, God says, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on the, their hearts. That means that the law is not merely this external thing that tries to coerce you to follow it. But, but with this new covenant, something changes because within the person, they are enlivened. Their heart is enlivened. The heart is made alive to actually be able to follow God's word. And we learn in Scripture, right, that through Jesus Christ, God makes all things new. When you come to Jesus Christ, you are made new on the inside. You know, the outside still has a lot of problems, doesn't it? But the inside is made alive. And you are given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables and empowers you to obey God through this new covenant because your nature has changed. You needed a new nature. From the fall, when mankind fell, their nature was changed to a sinful nature. And those who were under the Mosaic law, under the Mosaic covenant, they tried to follow the law, but they still had the sinful nature. Well, the sinful nature doesn't allow you to follow the law. But in Christ, we're changed on the inside, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to live in obedience. We don't have to come up with a big checklist of do's and don'ts and, 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 and legalism kind of things to follow God because it's within us. He said the law will be within you because you've been changed. That doesn't mean that we, lins, that we live sinlessly. I mean, there's nobody here that lives sinlessly even after being born again, even with having the Holy Spirit. But now, that sin, it actually goes against what's inside us. We're, we're, we're acting in contrary to what is inside of us. But thankfully, when we do sin, we are forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And we all have a lot. But now the law is internal. The covenant brings the law inside and we have the power to follow it. But not only is it internal, the third characteristic I want to talk about is that the new covenant is international. 
It is international. Because under the Mosaic law, under the Mosaic covenant, a person would have to become a Jew in order to be one of God's people. Because God's people was one nation amongst hundreds of nations. And God only dealt with this one nation that he chose. And so it's within this one nation that all those other covenants come and and the plan of redemption would lead to up to a point. It was always this one lineage, this one group up to a point leading to Christ. It started with Adam, creating Adam, but then they sinned. And so God chose the lineage of Seth. Seth eventually led to Noah, with whom a covenant was made. Noah's descendants through Shem eventually led to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through whom a covenant was made, which then led to the nation of Israel, with whom a covenant was made. And then there was the line of David, David with whom a covenant was made. And so God only dealt with this one people group, one nation. And anyone who was outside of the nation, anyone who was outside of Israel was away from God, outside of God. But that wasn't the end of the plan for God. That was not the end of the covenants for God because it all led to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, born within Israel, born under the law. But then he died as a sacrifice for sins. He rose again and he ascended and he is seated at the right hand of power. And because of what Christ accomplished, the doors burst open for the entire world to know God. God would reclaim the entire world. God says in verse 33, I will be their God, they shall be my people. And so no longer would you have to change your earthly citizenship in order to be a part of the people of God. Now in Christ, you can stay whatever citizenship you are, whatever nation you're in, and you can change your heavenly citizenship. God is in covenant with people in the U.S. God is in covenant with people in Nigeria. God is in in covenant with people in Brazil. God is in covenant with people in Japan and all around the world. God, through the gospel, is reclaiming the world. That's what the Great Commission is all about, reclaiming the world for God. And and there's something interesting about this international body of believers. in, In verse 34, God says that people will no longer need to say to their brothers, know the Lord, for they shall all know God, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Everyone who is in covenant with God through Jesus Christ knows God because that's the only way in or how we know God. Now, Israel was an interesting thing because they were a mixed bunch. There were believers and unbelievers in Israel. The covenant was with the nation, but it was a mixture of believers and and unbelievers. And so that's why Paul would say things like, You know, an Israelite by birth doesn't make you an Israelite in spirit. So that was kind of the beast of the old old covenant. The nation was under covenant, but then the individuals were not. But here in the new covenant, I mean, if you're going to be a part of God's people, you come through Jesus Christ, and everyone who has come to, to God through Jesus Christ knows God. They're saved. They have been made new. Only those in covenant with God know God. And so all around the world, 
there are people who know God because they have come to Jesus Christ. But the thing is, those who do not know Jesus Christ, they don't know God. Right? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. The only way to see the Father is through Jesus Christ. That's why we, church, are given the Great Commission. So that we join him in his work of reclaiming the nations all around the world because the new covenant was made to be international. And fourth, and very quickly, the new covenant is inexhaustible. Starting in verse 35, God tells us that this new covenant is never going to end. He uses poetic language about how he, fi- he, he sustains the fixed order of the universe. And he talks about the fact that, that, he, uh, he, that it, if he would lose his power somehow to sustain the universe, that's the only time the covenant would ever be broken. Well, guess what? He'll never lose that power. So that means the covenant will never be broken. He's using this poetic language to try and tell us that there is no way that this covenant will ever end. He says if you, as a human, can measure the entire universe, if you can measure the depths of the earth, then maybe this covenant will end. But again, the answer is there is no human that can measure the universe or know the depths of the, of the earth. God is using poetic language to say that this covenant is eternal. It is infinite. It is inexhaustible. This covenant will never end. There will never come a time when God says, you know what? I don't know if this whole Jesus Christ thing is working out. Let me see if I can come up with another plan. God will never, ever do that. God has made an eternal covenant through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation today. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation tomorrow. Guess what? A thousand years from now, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. It is eternal. It will never end. And so the new covenant in Jesus Christ is is inexhaustible. You will be his child forever if you come to him, Jesus Christ, and there's not anything that anyone can do to change that. You can't change it. I can't change it. No one can change it. That covenant will be forever. So I know this whole talk of covenants is a whole lot of deep thoughts, but if you are able to grasp this concept of covenant, the, the Bible will be open to you. You will read the Old Testament in a new light, looking at those covenants and saying, you know what? God was using those covenants to move toward Jesus Christ. And through Christ, all things are made new. Now it's interesting in the Bible. The covenants would be celebrated with a feast. Moses and the elders met at the foot of Sinai to celebrate the Mosaic covenant. Well, guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ instituted a meal to celebrate and remember the terms and conditions of this covenant. And Jesus highlighted what was being given and sacrificed in that covenant through this meal. 
See, it would be the giving of himself. He would die so others could live. And so that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. But today we're going to do things a little bit different because we're first going to do our invitation. I want to give Christians a chance to confess and repent before God so that their hearts are right before the Lord, before they partake in this meal. But then I also want to give anyone a chance here who has never been in covenant with God through Jesus Christ to come to covenant with God so that you'll be able to celebrate with us the wonderful things that he did through Jesus Christ. If you are not in covenant with God, come to Jesus. I'll be up front. I want you to know him. And then after our invitation, we will celebrate what God has done through the new covenant. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.